Apeit Nation, welcome to another episode of the Apeit Cast. And today, or this evening, I should say, we are recording on uh, Saturday, February 20th at around uh, 8 p.m. Queensland time. Uh, myself and Australia's John O'Peck, who you can find at John O himself and myself at Brendan 8-Bit on them socials, are going to be talking music and sort of from maybe a nostalgic uh, point of view of uh, some of our favorite favorite bands, favorite memories, uh, reminiscing on, on our youth and, uh, you know, just, I guess, some of our, maybe not guilty pleasures, but I guess some of the bands that we, we admire and love through to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, with it, without further ado, we might uh, quickly just shout out our fantastic uh, Kofi producers uh, because without you guys, the emotional lights on and the literal lights on would not uh, be running here at the 8-Bit Studio. So I wanted to shout out to uh, uh, at Gossip Dan, at Screamus, at Sam Kingma, at iDruby, at Ryan, at Tillhouse, at Liam Hart, at David Martinson, at Dylan Kate, at Ryan... Jay and at Dylan Yee. So thank you for the love, the support, and just uh, being general legends because it means an awful lot to us here at 8-Bit with our uh, restructure and retool and refocus of what we're doing here. So uh, Mm. thank you for uh, dipping into your pockets every month and uh, throwing some bickies our way because it means an awful lot. JP, anything you want to say before we uh, maybe crack on? No, like I said, you're our heroes. You, You make our world go round um any other kind of cliche song lyrics you can think of about them <laughs> you are the wind beneath our wings yeah you are the wind stuff. beneath our wings yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. no nah. you're a butterfly sugar baby <laughs> all right let's uh let's get into it I, I thought maybe we'll start start for when uh you know jp and bw were, were little tykes uh, mm. running around their their family's homes and uh, where where our, our maybe potential music's uh, taste began and and for me i grew up in a pretty pretty diverse household as far as musical uh loves my dad uh i love the fella but my goodness he had a uh, very unique tastes uh i could really appreciate and respect the eagles and credence and fleetwood and a lot of the sort of the more easy easy listening to rock and, and country that he was into but then uh for every every tape or cd that he had of those bands and artists. He also was big on Enya, really? uh, ABBA. Wow. And uh, he also used to blast a lot of... Remember the Gregorian chant anthems when they were big in the 90s? No. I mean, I know I know what the music is, but I don't remember them being big. That's news to me. It may, maybe big's a bit of an oversell <laughs> when, they were, when they were at least advertised on uh, Channel 10 or something on yeah. between video hits uh, tracks. But yeah, so so my dad, my dad brought that to the table and... Then on my mum's side, she was, you know, Brian Adams still loves him, like not only as an artist, but as a man to this day. Like she would push me down the stairs if Brian Adams asked. Uh, so Brian Adams, uh, John Bon Jovi, Roxette, and then a, a little bit of a smattering of uh, sort of various rock bands as well. And that's sort of mm. where I cut my teeth uh, from from a, from an early kid was was listening to to that mixture of bands and artists and then things like uh video hits and then uh you know when we we're at school stuff like hit machine and stuff like that really shaped my musical tastes what about you jp before maybe we go into yeah. individual bands and, and and stuff like that what what's your origin story my origin story um different from yours in a lot of ways so my mum isn't really a big music listener 
she does so so i grew up in a very christian household and that's church every sunday and there's, there's obviously music there every week and and then coming home my parents would often listen to the same type of music like at home so that was mostly what was played in the car and stuff when i was a kid but then as i got older i realized that my dad was into you know the the some bands that were big when he was a kid so a few of them like cliff richard and you know so, some of the I, I guess billy joel and stuff i didn't really get into or jive with but dire straits was the one that i really grabbed onto as a kid yeah like yeah. hearing some of those guitar licks and wanting like that kind of made me want to learn guitar to start with uh credence clearwater like you mentioned them and obviously the beatles and stuff but he was never like into a lot of the staple rock bands that i had to discover on my own a bit later like your mm-hmm. led zeppelins and that kind of thing so he, he grew up with that time so he knew all this music but it wasn't stuff that he would like play i guess um, so a lot of my like discovery came through just being a teenager and um, having a, a brother that was a year older than me that was like learning bass guitar when I was learning guitar and drums and we'd like discover things and, and play them and we had um, you know my parents worked very hard and we had uh, pay TV so we could watch oh yep, cha- yep. respect uh, Channel V <laughs> um, yeah and- respect sadly not 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 in the White Household we uh, uh, were far too poor for Ozstar so it was just uh, video hits or just listening to the radio or Rage I guess on the weekends oh yep, yeah yep so that was, Ra- yeah. Rage is a good pull yeah Rage is all recovery because we're we're old enough mm. to have appreciated and respected Dylan. I can't remember his last name. Dylan, what's his face that hosted it? Yeah, I remember that guy with the glasses. Yeah, Yeah. but they had so many big bands from all over the world on recovery. It was phenomenal. Mm. But yeah, Channel V was one of the things that I'd, you know, at a certain age, I'd get home from school and just turn it on and watch whatever was on. And they'd have like every summer like the big day out specials where it was like the best of the big day out from over the years and that that introduced me i guess it didn't introduce me to them but it it exposed me to more of the classics like to me like foo fighters and red hot chili peppers and these bands that were huge through the 2000s that i was a bit late to because i wasn't like uh i wasn't like discovering like i wasn't going out of my way to discover music until i was probably a bit older than kids who had older siblings that were were doing that yeah i I had a little bit of that like my uncle who i've talked to talked about on many podcasts uh he and i are really close and he's seven years older than me so i sort of got a lot of my music habits and loves through Mm -hmm. him uh, through a lot of stuff he was listening to I'd, i'd naturally listen to it when we were hanging out or whatever and because i guess he was maybe a hero-ish, like someone I really looked up to as a kid. Uh, I sort of downloaded or made my mum buy or whatever it might be, you know, do the old CD to tape recording or whatever it was back in yeah. back at that time frame uh, just so I could listen to it and, and consume it a little bit more. So, yeah, as I, as I got older, uh, like he showed me a lot more of the alternative stuff. Like I really, really, really fell in love with Faith No More in the early 90s when I was like five or six. I remember wow. hearing... <laughs> epic play on video hits and apparently the story goes epic was was playing uh in the house on a saturday morning on video hits and i was jiving around the house jumping having a little little uh brandy mosh and uh my my sister was like a baby at the time and i was mosh and i ended up like like i was jumping around i jumped right on top of her and really hurt her and she had to go to hospital so uh (laughs) so yeah that's uh 
because of Mike Patton and co. But Faith No More was was one of my big loves, and they still are. Like the the recent album they did after they sort of united, uh, like came back together again and, and released some new material. Not so good, but like their stuff through the '90s is some of my favorite albums of all time. Like Angel Dust and King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime in the early and mid 90s mm. uh you know two classic albums and it's funny for me because faith no more is sort of the poor cousin to nirvana in a lot of ways like these were the two bands that sort of pioneered that that real alternative wave in the early 90s and angel dust came out at the same time as uh as nirvana's big breakthrough album but it doesn't get the same love and respect that uh nirvana does and did and continues to to this day and it really grinds my gears because they're the superior band. <laughs> and, you know, I just I just think Mike Patton and, and the guys at FM are just fantastic musicians. Like, not gonna poo on Dave Grohl and and co over there at Nirvana, but I just I don't know. For me, they were all the alternative scene and the band. And and I think obviously with the tragic passing of of Kurt, I think it probably elevated Nirvana even further, as it usually does with with artists, you could say, you know, it's, you know, you look at paint, mm. like painters and artists, they, they pass away, the, the value of their art skyrockets. And I think that's what similarly happened to to Nirvana and, and their music got, uh, you know, even more praise than it was already getting. But yeah, Faith No More for me, man, it's, I, I adore them. Like, I know, you know, if we sort of throw it over to Hoop Dream for a second, you did a nice little Nirvana cover mm. for one of our little licks the other day, and, and is that because you've you've got a lot of uh, love and adoration for that band as well, or Not like, you just sort of just jam well? It, it just came to mind as I was thinking about the name of the segment, Trade Me. But um, that particular style of music, like the the whole grunge scene that you just mentioned, that was something that I didn't discover till my guitar teacher actually introduced me. Like it was at this music shop in Warrnambool, and he would just grab like whichever song books they were selling in the shop. And it just so happened to be like some of his favorite bands, I guess. So he taught me a bunch of Foo Fighters, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana. Um, he was really into Stone Temple Pilots and Soundgarden. So I learned a bunch of those grunge bands and they all have such great guitar riffs as well. So Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, like th- those are the grunge bands I think of before Faith No More because they were the <gasps> ones that I was exposed to. Because they were to. in that... That, um, uh, that book yeah and it, it always it seems to be like those ones that i mentioned and um obviously pearl jam and jane's uh jane's is jane's addiction jane's yeah. addiction yeah are in that they're at, they're at that they're at the table the, at the cafeteria table with those guys but yeah i think um kurt's passing certainly played a part but you know for, without being old enough to follow it at the time i feel like uh, Nirvana probably was more of a cultural touchstone because of the fashion and because of the, oh, yeah. the movement and what it represented and the fact that they knocked like Michael Jackson off the charts and, and things like that. They were certainly more like Faith No More for as great as they are slash were. They were never able to sort of, I guess, break into the mainstream for any long period of time. Like they had a lot of chart success mm. and probably the biggest success they had was with the bloody Lionel Richie cover with, with Easy and stuff like that but they've got a, a fantastic catalog of, of bangers but yeah they, they weren't able to hold that spotlight the way nirvana and as you said like stone temple pilots or pearl jam especially like eddie vedder and his boys they were they were one of the the crown jewels i guess you could say of that that grunge movement as well that came a few years on and um yeah that was that was sort of a lot of 
music that I cut my teeth on. I remember my mum bought me Rage Against Machines debut album uh, after hearing, <laughs> you know, the, the the main track that sort of blew up for them. And then the amount of swear words in it uh, meant that I had that album for about 20 minutes into my first listen on CD and then she took it off me because there was too much which, swearing blaring wait, through the house. Which song did she hear that made her think this would be good for Brenda? Was it Killing in the Name, like radio It was edit? Killing in the Name, but like obviously with video hits, uh, it was all censored. Yeah. So she just maybe just wasn't paying enough attention <laughs> at the time to realize that because it wasn't like a hard beep sensor. It was just you know, fade to silence. Yeah. So she missed that, missed that note and- yeah, I was blaring this in the house in my dingy, crappy CD player that they bought me. And yeah, you know, fuck you, won't do what you tell me, just blaring through the house that I'm singing it. And yeah, my mum charged in, got angry at me, even though she bought yeah. the CD, took it off me and then hid it in the cupboard. But I found that CD where it was hiding once and recorded it to like dubbed it onto a tape. So I just played it in, in secret when she was away or play it quiet or play it through my headphones. So Pretty sneaky. Pretty sneaky. Yeah. And that similar... Similar situation happened with um, Slipknot's self-titled album, actually, with the amount of swearing on that album and even just written through the art book as well, like through the through the booklet with the art and, and the random graphics and some of their slogans. I was blaring that and my sister got a hold of that with a couple of her young friends and started playing it in, in her bedroom. And then I got in trouble again, even though my mum bought me that too and took that off me. So uh, It's almost like the parental advisory sticker meant nothing to her. No. No. So that was frustrating. But uh, I was also, as a young and um, and still probably today, I'm a bit of a sucker for like uh, the occasional pop band. Like I, as a kid, loved, I don't know if you you know of them or, or were a fan as well, East 17. No, do you know East I 17? do not. So East 17 sort of came up at the same time as like Take That right. and those English boy bands. So this was an English boy band, but they were like a little bit, Harder is not probably the right word, but maybe we'll use harder. They were a little bit sort of tougher and a bit more, uh, yeah, rough around the edges. Like they had a little bit of rapping in it and stuff. Mm. And these guys, my jam, like I had like a giant poster on my door of these guys. And one of the lead singers had a hat. Like you think Pharrell Williams' hat is is dumb. This guy's <laughs> hat looks like something out of Doctor Zeus. Like the <laughs> the headpiece itself sat maybe easy sixty centimeters above his head, and then it was just a brim on the front. It looked like mm. almost like a a nutcracker, you know, like them nutcracker soldiers or whatever they are. It's like one of them hats, but on steroids. Right. And you he rocked like, this thing. Do you mean like the British Royal Guard soldiers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that works. That worked. It was sort of <laughs> like that, but it was like colored and textured and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they they were my jam. So I was I was blasting them as a young and then sort of started to just naturally move into alternative and grunge mm. and punk and pop punk and stuff. Like pop punk to this day. I still adore and I think that's something you and I yeah. both share. We've got a, a pretty big love and adoration for for pop punk, not only from the local shores but but abroad. Um, wh when did you sort of first discover this uh, this fantastic timeless genre? Yeah, well, I guess if I can take it through like kind of the steps in a similar way to you have like me and my brother's first CD was Big Willie Style by, Bulls, Ooh, by yep. Will Smith. Yep. Absolute banger. So I remember like rocking that with the, the Discman that had like no anti-skip technology at all, but it was like the only Discman that existed at that point. So, you know, the long drives in the car had a lot of, um, a lot of skips, but from there it was, it was mostly like I, you know, I got into Napster and I download music that I'd heard on the radio basically. It, so there was nothing really alternative happening until, like I said, getting into like learning to play guitar and watching Channel V 
and I discovered Sum 41 through a, it was like a, it was, I've got the DVD now, it's called like um, Introduction to Destruction, but it was basically like their very first album and they would tour the UK and it had all these bonus featurettes and stuff and interviews and it was the pranks that they were doing like and the way they were like being so juvenile and stuff like in between their shows that really attracted me to I guess the light-hearted side of, of pop punk and the youthful exuberance that a lot of those bands had so much of that <laughs> yeah and so from there it was like a natural progression to blink 182 which to this day is still my favorite band of all time um and in some ways they're like the opposite of me because they're so dirty and ridiculous and immature and i gravitated to the, to the humor of that and the friendship that was also really obvious within the band and that's something that uh has really like I've been so like emotionally invested in that band's journey over the years, like the breakups and the get back togethers and all that kind of stuff that, yeah, there's definitely been um, some way too deep conversations between me and, and some of my other Blink friends about that band and that kind of thing. So from there, it was really just like, it, it was kind of a, a cocktail with um, me learning guitar at the time and that those being like a, a simple style of music to to copy, you know, it's like, power chords it's like four chord songs and occasionally a, a lick here and there so it was really easy for me to learn that music and feel like I could actually play something you know start up our own band and write some music that was in that style as well so that was probably my pop punk introduction then trying to get into more of actual punk rock and learning about like the history of it and kind of getting into the clash and, and you know uh, rancid and no effects and then you know bad religion and, and just kind of going that way and, and discovering scar music and less than jake and uh real big fish yeah operation ivy <laughs> and, and just like learning the the reasons why these different genres exist and what they represent I've, i was it was such an age of discovery for me that kind of 16 to 18 um and at the same time i'm like learning Okay, because I, I suddenly was finding myself feeling like I'm a music person now. Like before that, I'd been like the wrestling guy or the basketball guy, and now I was the music guy. And I was like, "What do I? Yeah, yeah. What do I need to know? Like, what's my education?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'd go out and I'd like, you know, I'd be on the internet in the forums, and I'd be like, "Okay, I have to listen to these Led Zeppelin albums and these Metallica albums." And I, I got to a point where, you know, some of my favorite artists might have been. Blink and Sum 41 and Reliant K, but also I was really into Oasis and Foo Fighters and Zeppelin and Metallica. Jack Johnson was someone that I still really liked, but discovered around that time as well. And uh, a few more alternative bands like At The Drive-In, who are kind of harder to define. They certainly don't fit into any of those genres. Yeah, but, alternative yeah. rock is just the broad stroke you'd sort of paint them with still, I think, yeah. with a little bit of punk to them, depending yeah. on the track. Yeah, and it, it was really just, um, I think the, the, the great thing about punk rock is it's so, like, back then I was way too obsessed with, like, labels and what something meant as far as, like, whether, like, like, almost defending like what is pure and what isn't and yeah, yeah. i i witnessed like the the negative side of like internet culture where people would like say that this band wasn't punk enough or like you know 
Sum 41 and Blink aren't real punk, they're pop or whatever. And I learnt that over the years, but I also saw like as I got older and older that that stuff doesn't really matter. I think it, it's just like if you like the music, then you like the music, and you don't yeah. you don't need to gatekeep it the way that people are so passionate about. And that, that's something that I never really got. And and I, I used to be guilty of that in some ways where I would think that way about pop music and I'd be like that's crap that's like uh commercial and superficial and like my mum would dance to ABBA and I'd be like that's so embarrassing that's crap but then now as I've got older I look back and I'm just like man ABBA have so many bangers I I, Mm -hmm. I love ABBA and like the songs that I grew up listening to on Channel V like Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears I would have said that they were crap back then but now the songs are stuck in my head from my childhood i know all the lyrics and stuff and some of those songs are awesome like i'm not ashamed to like grow up and say that good music is good music and it doesn't really matter what the genre is like there's country like i got into johnny cash and like everyone says like they hate country music but they love johnny cash and that's true for yeah, me he, he's like the punk yeah, rock of country is, to yeah. be honest and that's kind of you true know? for me but that doesn't mean that country music sucks because it just it just means i'm not really interested in it i guess and if i wanted to really try to i'm sure that i would discover a whole bunch of country artists um yeah. that i do like and you know like playing gta san andreas i learned a whole bunch of country songs by accident that i liked and that's just something that happens as well yeah that's it like i think i think as as you you wise up a little bit over the years and you just realize that good music's good music like i think you you talked about not gatekeeping and I'm 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 like that. Like I never really took time to to troll or, or sort of hunt through forums and stuff like that. A lot of my education was through school friends who were uh, into similar music and just like reading Metal Hammer and Kerrang and Blunt, the old mm. uh, Aussie alternative magazine, rest in peace. So, you know, going to the news agent and picking those up every month and you, you know, they usually had like a, you know, a, a CD on the front with a mixture of singular tracks of, of upcoming bands or the new hotness. So I sort of got a lot of my education through there and um, we only really had one CD shop in town and I ended up doing work experience there when I was uh, 15, 16 and then I got a job off, off, off the back of that working like part-time after school a few days a week. So... I was then thrown into this this area like it was the, like these couple like this beatnik couple that owned this this store called Monero Books and Music and then they sort of just were starting to show me bands or genres and artists that they think I'd like and mm. you know you'd have the the listening pods there where you'd have six or eight albums and you could just click through and listen through yeah, through the headphones yeah. so like when it was downtime I'd just start chucking that on and just consuming everything in there so my my musical taste is very varied like I could go from wanting to listen to Southern Hardcore to Taylor Swift to trance to synth to country to rock to pop, like similar to what you were saying. Like I just I've just learned to appreciate mm. good musicianship, whether it be from a instrumental side or from electronics or just the vocals themselves, or even just the 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 written vocal, like I listen to a lot of sort of almost like spoken word rock. Like there's a there's a band called Listener, and this guy just sort of you wouldn't even call it singing. It's sort of like sing talking over just a couple of notes on the back end, but just like the lyrics that he pours out, it's almost like that slam poetry you could say. And so I love listening to stuff like that. I really, really 
dig deep on lyrics mm. and uh, on the on the flip side of that i really pick apart bad lyrics and then get really stuck on things that still grind my gears to this day like that i can't remember the the guy's name he was an african-american guy and he sung that song called replay and he's singing about you know like my ipod stuck in replay yeah. and i'm like dickhead it's there's no replay button on this it's repeat it's not replay yeah. but just for the for the rhyming convention of the song he called it that and that still irritates me like 20 years on so much <laughs> so much so i have a have a problem where i sort of hang on to random little lyrical mishaps or things that i think's a bit silly mm. but yeah i just like, i just like good music like I've, I've been and seen gigs of bands from all walks of life like i've seen the Foo Fighters, I've seen Taylor Swift, I've seen Paul Kelly, I've seen Daft Punk, I've seen Slipknot, I've seen random country artists, I've seen, you know, like Lee Kernigan and stuff like that. <laughs> I've I've seen, you know, trance shows, I've been to festivals. Like I think it's the like the sum of all parts with a live gig too. It's not just the music that they're throwing at you, but it's the vibe in the arena or the venue and the people you're with and Yeah potentially the things you're on depending on where you are you know like that adds to just this crazy overall experience yeah for sure like live music which we'll hopefully get to a bit later is such a i miss it so much like in my older age it's just something i don't make time for um really and i mean in covid it doesn't really exist at all but yeah. that's really an excuse because even if it didn't I, I probably wouldn't be going to shows but like yeah when i was from like uni through till I was like 25, basically I was trying to go to as many shows as possible. Even though I never lived in the capital city, I always had to travel, but it always made it that much better. And you'd like drive home and like me and my brother had a tradition where like pretty much every show I went to, I went with my brother and we'd always listen to Death Cab for QD on the way home. Um, you know, fantastic. And it, it, it's just like, it was just like a, a pilgrimage to go and see these bands that had yeah. come over from America or whatever. And like, you know, you buy the t-shirt, you line up, like you stand around waiting for the support bands to finish so you could hear your band that you came for. And that's something that like I like I cherish the memories, even though like they're in my past and like I'll, I'll go to shows again. Like I'm not like retired from live music, but it's so different now that i don't have the time and energy i guess the energy is probably a big part of it um having busy lives compared to being on your uni break or being on summer holidays or whatever it might be time times have certainly changed that's for sure and talking talking those journeys and adventures as a as an early adult like similar similar sort stories to a degree like uh when I was still in school and in Kuma, you know, no bands would obviously come to Kuma of note. So you'd have to have to trek it to Canberra or for the most part to Sydney. Mm. So a group of my friends and I would constantly hire like a 12-person, a uh, you know, Toyota Hi-Ace or whatever they are, Toyota Commuter, sorry, I think the Hi-Ace is the commercial van. But, and then we'd all like, you know, we'd drive all the way to Sydney, watch these bands all just crash in this Hi-Ace or stay in some <laughs> dump of a, hostel somewhere or sleep on the beach or whatever and oh you know God. then drive back the next day or so like it was just these this crazy bunch of riffraff from kuma coming all the way to the big smoke trying to not get lost in sydney mm. watch these bands 
you know, party, 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 and then drive home, you know, yeah. hungover the, and whatever else. The people and it's, who live in the city don't know how easy they have it, really. Oh, no way. No way. Like, like it was, I it remember was going, four, four to five hours yeah. from Coomer to Sydney. And I remember going to shows and, like, overhearing conversations and stuff, and they'd be like, oh, is James coming tonight? Oh, no, he decided not to come. Like, they're making these decisions last minute of whether they're going to go see, like, Foo Fighters or something and it's like man like for me it's like I played this for four months yeah I'm like getting on Ticketmaster like the minute the sale's on and I'm like buying it and I'm like printing the tickets or picking them up at the box office and then holding them dearly for for months and like planning and it's uh yeah it's a different thing when you have to travel even though like when I was at uni it was only an hour from Geelong most of the time but it was still a big thing yeah it really was and it's it's just a different time like and i think that hunger for live music and bands and things like that sort of then bled itself into i started this clothing label outside of, out of school once i finished called emissary mm-hmm. and started managing a couple of the local bands yeah. and then from there a few bands interstate wanted to get met like wanted some management and some sponsorships so we were like throwing shirts for them and i was managing these bands with no real idea of what the hell I was doing. I didn't, I didn't know what a band manager was meant to do and I was like 18, 19, 20. And then it sort of extended to uh, one of the local uh, bookers in Canberra was like sick one day and there was a gig on and he asked me to you know handle the gig for him if I could. And so I did that and then after that, I started booking shows and tours and, and touring around Australia with bands and bringing bands in from the States and I managed to book like, and I was running some of like the the Soundwave, you know, the side shows they did, the little yeah, offshoots yeah. where it was, you know, three or four bands. I was handling all those for Canberra, and I helped with a couple in Sydney. So I was like, then like dealing with these global juggernaut bands, asking for riders. And I remember the first time one of them asked, like, sent me the list about a, a rider, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. What do you mean? <laughs> so I had to like Google or maybe Bing or whatever it was back then. You know, what is a rider? And it had all these like bespoke cheeses and certain water requests and stuff and i'm like how do i find all this so i remember running around woolies trying to find it all and then you know buying all this stuff out of my own pocket with no clue because i wanted to make a good impression mm. on bloody dino Cazeras from fear factory who was here <laughs> for um what was the other band whatever their band he was in um you know at the time just to you know i wanted to make my idols happy like kill switch engage were on this on this sideshow <laughs> And I'm like, I can't upset Adam D. I got to do all I can for Adam D. Whatever you need, man. So I was running around town trying to fill these food and drink requests, and um, and it made it work. Had some good times. That's uh, awesome. Got absolutely stooged by AJ Matter, who headed up Soundwave. Like, didn't pay any of us a cent. So wow. um, out of pocket for these these shows and everything else. And you can see why these these shows and big day out and things don't occur because his company went under mm. due to some circumstances but that's nuts yeah it was just crazy like i'd spend weeks at a time just on a on a cruddy tour bus traveling around the country sleeping in the van or in on floors or whatever else with with bands from australia and some from the states that we sort of befriended along the way and it was crazy because at the same time i was working full-time so a few times I went on tour and didn't even tell my boss. So I'd like still just take phone calls during the day. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm just just out seeing customers, rah, 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 and I'd be in, I don't know, Bendigo or whatever, <laughs> sitting up for a show or in Adelaide and stuff like that. Like it was, uh, it was some some risky business back yeah. then, but it was super fun. Made really good friendships, had really good memories, and 
yeah, for a clueless guy that had no idea about how these things work, we we always managed to somehow land on our feet, which was uh, you know, mm. fun, very memorable now thinking about it. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Like that the fact that you did that while you were still working is is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly uh, you know, I I have a have a tendency to make things work for me. Um, yeah. You know, probably <laughs> Probably not in the best interest of the company that employs me, but I've, uh, you know, I, I repay them in other ways. Yeah, that's cool. My my only like insight into like interacting with with these guys outside of, um, I guess, as a fan, is when I was um, a news reporter doing like the weekly entertainment page, and it would be, you know, basically a gig guide and then a couple of briefs about some things that were happening in town. And occasionally you'd get to interview like some big touring artist that was coming through. So I'd, I'd get to do these phone interviews with like Phil Jamison from Grinspoon or Hilltop Hoods or, you know, Red Hot Summer Tours going around and you're talking to Jimmy Barnes or you're talking to the dude from uh, Australian Crawl or whatever. And it's it's like you, you like really quickly trying to learn about some of these artists because they're expecting like the, they think that they're a pretty big deal, I'm guessing, because... They were huge in the 80s, so you got to like act like you know what you're talking about. Daryl Braithwaite, I remember talking to, um, and a lot like some up and coming artists as well. Like, um, who are those boys that sing My Gun and Hoops? Like the Rubens? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. That, they were a band. Like, I remember interviewing them, like, on, like, their, I think it was like their first national tour. Um, and Colin Hay, I spoke to a few times, and I'm a really big fan of his. So that was a really cool experience as, as a journey, just getting to, like, you know, most of the, the stories that I'm writing are about, like, you know, the school fair or, like, but the, the state budget or the rain that happened over the weekend. Like, it, it's, a, it's a local, regional news kind of routine, and then suddenly it's, like, you're talking to Phil Jamison or something. It's like, oh, this is very different. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of, bit of a contrast yeah. than uh, page two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's really like I've got a lot of stories. Some I probably wouldn't want share directly on here, but like back when um, CKY toured over here uh, way back in the day and I was still in Canberra, I ended up sort of roading and driving CKY and Bam Margera around for – a week or so through Canberra and Sydney and the things I saw and the mishaps that I witnessed and the craziness that, uh, you know, you, you see what's happening with BAM these days. Like that was, this was like peak BAM and mm. um, yeah, it was, it was terrifying some of the stuff you saw and you'd be scared to go to sleep because you wouldn't know what you're going to wake up to or what kind of stuff they were going to try to do to yourself. Um, stuff like that. Like I had, you know, bands that were coming through at the time in the Australian scene, like, you know, Parkway Drive, uh, Amity Affliction, uh, who else? I Killed the Prom Queen, all mm-hmm. these, In Hearts Wake, all these bands, yeah. like when they were just starting as little little local bands, you know, they'd come through and like I, they'd all stay at my house when they'd when we'd be playing gigs in Canberra and, you know, I'd be booking their shows for them and, and getting some pretty good relationships and friendships with these guys and then just seeing them now explode into the stratosphere of, you know, global uh, notoriety with some of these bands. It's, it's really cool to see and you know, I still think about 
some of these gigs like i booked a big festival way back when in canberra and it ran a bit late and the venue only had licensing up until 11 o'clock or something and we still had two bands to go and it was just before 11 so we pulled the pin and went back to like i was in a huge five-bedroom house with a few friends in canberra and at back in the day and we told a few friends in the bands and like come back and we'll finish the show at our house <laughs> so we had 200 people piled into our kitchen and lounge room as, as d's nuts and picture the end played sets uh in the in the in the back of my house at like 11 p.m midnight and then obviously the police came and it all got shut down but <laughs> it was insane That's these nuts. things playing out and it was just like something out of a movie but uh so why did you yeah, stop really this? really like, good memories why didn't you keep going with it what what happened that made you go this is i've had enough um a lot of drama a lot of like like with any of these scenes uh like and i guess it's a it's a pretty good comparison to like this game space we're in now there's a lot of a lot of adult children i guess you could say where Mm. these people are are young and coming through the ranks and, and get a little bit of bit of fame and a bit of popularity and it sort of can go to some of their heads and it can stir up a lot of negativity and cause a lot of dramas and i was yeah as i said trying to work full time and then juggling this at the same time and then i was managing i think i had a dozen bands on the go across australia that i was working with as well as the shows and it just got all too much it was just like the fun wasn't really there anymore because i was just getting calls not only with work through nine to five but during those hours and afterwards gigs trying to get booked and and trying to deal with merch and everything like i didn't have i didn't bring anyone else in to probably help me with it so i just got all too much and the fun dissipated so i shut it all down and that's when i moved to canada i was like i've had enough of this i'm out aces bought a bought a ticket got my um my working holiday visa and moved to canada like three weeks later it was all very spur of the moment and um yeah that was that it sounds like they mustn't have been paying you too well if you still had to work your other like real job at the same time oh yeah like we're we're making bugger all from the music stuff like a lot of those like a lot of the the bands i was dealing with were sort of you know small to to medium or large ish in that hardcore metal scene but like there's not a huge amount of money going around in there Mm. and there's obviously uh doing a national tour you might be able to hit 10 locations where in america you know you could do 100 100 gigs easy stuff like that so it was Few and far between, mm. so nah, and and we'll waste a lot of money, like partying a lot, and I've been terrible with my money over the years, just uh, <laughs> burning it and wasting it on things. So, still, yeah, it would have been nice to do it full time, but sadly, <laughs> trying to juggle both just burnt me out, and I'm like, nah, I'm done. So yeah, went to Canada, nice. and that was that. Very cool. You must have some uh, some more stories though. Hotel rooms getting destroyed on tours our our tour van on a big tour we did with for the fallen dreams and a couple of other bands uh broke down between melbourne and adelaide out in the back of nowhere once that was pretty scary because uh it was out in the middle of nowhere we had bugger all reception and we were sort of just stranded it was a real wolf creek moment so that was a bit scary (laughs) for a handful of hours um another time on that same tour actually we had like a bit of a convoy like after the tour vans we had a couple of our friends that just like took work off and drove their cars around the country with us and uh, one of the guys aaron sped past us like a bat out of hell and like we all sit on the on the bus in unison we're like he's, he's gonna have an accident here and lo and behold 30 seconds later we we came around this corner and he rolled the rolled his car down an embankment through a fence and you know rode his car he, he was somehow unharmed and 
Um, the other guy was in the car with Pimples, uh, who's now like a, a gangbanger of all things. They were both like standing on top of the car. It was upside down, like giving us the devil horns, like there was nothing going on. It's like, dude, you're idiots. So like a, a, a lot of stories, a lot of ones I'd probably need to just think and formulate my thoughts on a little bit more. But yeah, live live music is uh, is great. I don't go to hardly any live gigs anymore. Obviously, you sort of hit the nail on the head earlier, like life gets busy you know yeah you get a little bit more tired and you know going to a gig and moshing and stuff like that is certainly something that i don't yeah. want to do i'd i'd go to a gig and just enjoy it from from afar i'd happily sit at a gig you know or stand at the back i don't need to be in the mosh pit anymore because uh you get hurt like i lost a front tooth at a newfound glory concert uh we were right in the mosh pit on one of those kuma to sydney travels and it was it was newfound. It was some forty-one. I think in the grey were opening for them on this tour, and um, yeah, this this sort of goth girl was getting crowd surfed out, and um, I looked up just as the time as though she was sort of getting heaved over my way, and her big head stomper boot swung down and got me right in the chompers and snapped my front tooth in half. So I spent the rest of the gig with the with half a front tooth and just uh, singing along to my friends over you and stuff like that. And uh, I remember uh, afterwards we went to a Seven Eleven and I bought some super glue and I just got some glue on the on the half of my front tooth and just sort of lined it up and stuck it back in and it held for a while. Had to glue it every probably day or two because it had just you know fall out and I was tasting super glue well, for a while well, until I got to the dentist. But hold yeah. on a sec. So first of all. This happens, and you. How did you find the tooth? It's some like it hit, and it somehow landed like almost in like the like in my t shirt up here yeah. somehow. Like it hit, and I was like, oh, and like my arm brushed on there, right. and I felt it. So I sort of grabbed it and just <laughs> chucked it in my pocket. That's lucky. It was extremely lucky. Like there was several thousand people in this crowd, mm. so it's needle in a haystack stuff. But yeah, and, and then th- secondly, this front chomper here. Yeah, and so what? It took you multiple days to get to a dentist after that like we were in sydney for a couple of days like right. um and just want to keep going like <laughs> young you're dumb so yeah got the old super glue just glue across there helped popped it back in it stayed but then yeah i'd be tasting super glue toxic probably <laughs> yeah like i'm not dead i don't know what my insides are like after you know consuming this super glue for for a while but yeah that was a that was an ongoing thing for a while and even when i i got it capped it had occasionally come off, so I just whip out the old super glue again and glue that on and pop it back in until I got the old uh, proper veneers many years later. But uh, yeah, lost a lost a so chomper to, to newfound glory. <laughs> That's so funny. I remember like me and my brother went to the cure at Rod Laver, and my brother bought like a like a kind of like a newsboy cap, like a like a, a cure cap. And then yeah, when, yeah. when we went to see Less Than Jake at uh, Billboard in, in Melbourne. Someone like took the hat and threw it on the stage, and uh, you know, as stupid people do. And uh, I think Chris from Less Than Jake picked it up and was like wearing it for like the second half of the gig. Nice, nice. <laughs> and uh, uh, he must have like tossed it at some point. And we had to like ask the bouncer at the end of the show, like, "That's my hat. Can you like, can you pass <laughs> us that hat?" <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a great show because like. To, like the bouncer that we were talking to, he had at some point during that show been pulled up on stage to do like a drinking contest as well. <laughs> like yeah, the, yeah. the Norse style, like chug kind of thing, which, you know, I've never seen a bouncer who's professional and, and meant to be working uh, 
asked to do something like that, which it's just what happens at a Less Than Jake show, I guess. You've seen them a few times. I've seen them a few times. They're, they're a ton of fun. Like you mentioned ska music earlier and that's one of the funnest genres to go to because mm. you can dance around and, and, and join in like a big skank dance pit and stuff like that and not really worry about copping a, a swinging arm or a kick or getting smashed up. Like it's just a heap of people having a skank, singing along. Yeah. So I've seen, yeah, Less Than Jake. Uh, I've seen uh, The Forces of Evil, which was the Real Big Fish offshoot. I've seen, obviously, Area 7 mm. for those Australian fans. And then, yeah, Real Big Fish as well. So, yeah, big fan of uh, big fan of ska music. And it was a big part of my late teens and last years of schooling because of, like, my, my close group of friends we were big punk and ska and pop punk fanatics then. And, yeah, they were just so great. So many catchy tunes. Yeah. My God. Everyone's just there. And obviously, the Mighty time. Mighty Boston's too. Obviously, Breaking Big with uh, the impression that I get. That's still one of the one of the all-timers for me. Love that track. Yeah, I know that's like one of Jack Cruz's favorite songs ever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's like into Scar aside from that. But um, yeah, th- that show that I was mentioning was Real Big Fish with Less Than Jake and Streetlight Manifesto. And we had like a, a bit of a hairy moment that day because like we'd driven up like friends from Warrnambool. There's like five of us. And one of these guys was 17 and you had to be 18 to get in. So we had our other friends like learner's permit with, <laughs> with like the hole punched through it because it was like oh, an yeah. old one. <laughs> and like he doesn't even really look like him. They just both had <laughs> blonde hair. Um, and I like we were so nervous because like I was, it was like flashing through my head like what happens if he doesn't get in? Does he have to go and sit in the car for like three hours? Because we're like a long way from home and he's a kid and doesn't know anyone. So he can't just like walk the streets. So that, it, was, it was a pretty like anxiety driven like wait in that line. And eventually the bouncer looks at him and says, he's like, this isn't you. And he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and he's like, what's your name? Or like, what, how, like, what's your address? Like, and he and memorized it. And then he's like, what's your second name? And he said his last name instead of the middle name. And I'm like thinking like, you know, say, say Alexander. Cause like, that's his middle name. And he says, yeah, yeah. he says Tucker. And I'm like, did he just screw up his chances? And the guy's like, yeah, okay. And he just let us in. And it was like the best feeling to get in and us, oh, yeah. us all be together and be like, we kind of gamed the system or whatever. God, uh, we had um, we, we, a few of us, uh, like, because I was had a few friends that were in the year above me but were the same age. So, like, when I was in year 11, they were in year 12. So, a few gigs that we went to, I wasn't 18 yet. And so, yeah, I remember we had had my uh, my learner's permit and then my red peas and you know i remember shaving the six to make it look like a five so i was old enough and then getting in and showing this to showing this to bouncers or like at bars or at the gigs and yeah your heart just stops as they're looking at it and they're sort of doing this and putting their little blue light over it whatever else and isn't there a giant number on the back though not that i remember oh so on the back ours have like 86 or 87 and the month. Yeah, no, not for not for New South yeah. Wales, no. Yeah, yeah, it was just on the on the just front, like front. your D- your DOB. So I managed to like it's luckily that it was a six, and I could turn yeah. that into a five. Pretty, you know, pretty close. Like it, uh, if you looked at it hard <laughs> enough, you could probably see it was fake. But got in everywhere. Got caught out at one bar though eventually, and um, yeah, myself and one of my other friends' IDs are a bit young. Like we were young and got caught out, and we just we just 
hightailed it. They're like, sorry, man, you, you, you know, we're going to have to call someone. These are fake. And we just like, see ya. Just hit, hit the ground running, running through the main streets of Sydney. Uh, it jigs up, eh? Yeah. Simpler times. Yeah. Simpler times. Nah, but... um. One of, one of the other yeah. reasons, though, about like on the topic of not going to shows anymore is that, and similar to you from past conversations, I think we've probably seen like 90 or 80% of the artists that we love live before. And, you know, it's always good to go again, but you kind of don't feel like a, a, you have to tick it off your list, so to speak, once you have seen them. And I've definitely, at a certain point, like maybe when I was 22, kind of stopped discovering new music <laughs> there's yeah. only, there's only like a handful literally like a handful of artists that i've become a fan of since then because i like there's only so much music like in my opinion i know some people are just constantly like sponging new music but i just like don't have time to listen to all the bands that i love so how am i gonna like keep doing that and listen to new music like occasionally i like listen to weezer and i'm like man, I haven't listened to Weezer for like three years. Like, I love this band. I should listen to this all the time. And then I just don't because, you know, it just, there's just too much. It's it's t- like, it's, it's certainly a good problem to have that the fact that there is millions of artists out there that we know or don't know or may never know, but it does get a little bit overwhelming to try and hunt out new music. Like mm. I, I listen to my, um like the release radar and stuff, Spotify, you know the playlist that they generate for you, uh, sure. the, uh, for, for new new content. So occasionally, I'll hear a track on there I've never heard of, or a new band or artist I've never heard of. I'm go, okay, that's cool. And then I'll add them to mm. my my ever growing uh, magical radical fun time playlist that I that I make. But for the most part, yeah, I've I've seen majority of the bands that you know that I want to see or, or adore. So I'm not really hunting for for bands to to see or or any of the legends like i've seen a lot of the old like i've seen your black sabbaths and your iron maidens and your metallicas mm-hmm. and stuff like that I've, I've seen childish gambino i've seen alexis on fire i've seen dallas green i've, I've seen pretty much all the pop punk bands and punk bands i love and adore have you seen, seen taylor Swift. rage against the machine granted i've seen rage against the machine Nice. And I actually uh, met Tom Morello at South by Southwest when I was over there oh. in Austin way back when. Uh, Very cool. That's some other cool stories. I was I was in Austin. I totally forgot South by Southwest was on. I was there by chance during during that week, and uh, a guy in the bunk underneath me in the in the hostel I was staying at was like an indie producer for like, they were called like Team Grizzly Records or something like that. And he managed to get me a media pass for um, South by Southwest for that week because his his business partner could make it. So I was literally just watching bands, watching artists, drinking free piss for a whole week <laughs> and having the Australian accent, like it just got me in everywhere, everywhere. Like I remember like seeing, um, you know, Paul Kelly play in front of like 50 people in a little bar. I remember seeing... Enter Shikari playing at a random bar because obviously with the way Southwest Southwest works is there's thousands of artists scattered across like a hundred or so venues throughout Austin and and they vary from big venues to little bars and clubs. So you could see an artist play an intimate show in front of twenty or fifty. You could see them play in front of several thousand. So I saw like REM one night. 
I saw Tom Morello do his own show and then I was at the bar afterwards and he came up and sort of, um, you know, grabbed a drink beside me and had you know, small talk with him for a couple of minutes before he went and stuff like that. And same with Andrew Shikari, you know, had some drinks with them after the show and um, it was just constantly like that, just drinking, listening to music, partying, staying up late, waking up, stumbling into a random bar, watching a band play. Like I remember I saw the Hilltop Hoods at a random bar I went to to get lunch and they were just in there <laughs> gigging and stuff. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll check this out. And then I went on my way and yeah, it was just just stuff like that. Like um, I've seen far too many shows and gigs over the years that I'm not really too worried to try and, you know, actively get to, to gigs again. Obviously with the way the world is, it's going to be different. And I think we're seeing a lot of virtual gigs now. Like uh. Did you see earlier today Metallica were playing a live set for BlizzCon and uh, Twitch had to mute them because of DMCA and put some folk music over the top of them as they were playing, which is uh, hilarious. That's but, crazy. Yeah, on, online live gigs is, is the new normal and I think we're going to see more and more of that where you yeah. pay a reduced rate for a ticket or you know an e-ticket and watch these, watch these performers play from their lounge room or wherever it is. So, well, there's even yeah. just so much more content like when i was a teenager and young adult like if you wanted to see what a band was like live you had to either go to see them or hope that they had a live album because like bootlegs existed i guess but they weren't easy to get hold of and youtube wasn't a thing so now it's so i can just type in like no effects backyard gig and like i can literally watch something that someone's filmed with five different cameras in a backyard and see what they're like now compared to the few times that I've seen them. And it's the same with like any artist, like any show that I've been to, like back then you'd occasionally film something on your phone and I stopped doing it because I realized there's someone in the front row filming it as well and it's going to get put on YouTube at the end of the day and I can just watch their footage and I can enjoy the moment. Um, and that's, that's something that, that now if I'm like, ah, oh, like I, I miss seeing this band live, I can just watch millions of different clips on, on the internet. Yeah. Like we're very spoiled. Like we were talking earlier about, um, like offline about how artists had more anonymity back in the day and, and due to the lack of technology and social media and things like that. And nowadays, yeah, they've got nowhere to hide, but also their content is everywhere mm. like you were talking about trying to find find something on LimeWire and Kazar and, and downloading that track or that album and, and you know letting it run overnight and the next day to try and download it and hope there's enough cedars to be able to get your hands on <laughs> yes. it or you know cedars. knowing a friend that that had a copy or yeah on on one of the the random like local indie radio stations that might be playing some of that music and you wait to hear it on there and you line it up and record it on the tape and all these hardships and normals for us at the time are just a thing of the past where, as you said, you just jump on YouTube and go, band XYZ live this song, boom. There's mm. a thousand results pop up straight away like where we were just, you know, clawing and digging and hunting and finding things however and wherever we could and now it's just, it's all at your fingertips. Yeah. Did you let people seed off you? <laughs> um, I, I usually did for a little bit. Like I, I never was a... A remove my download straight away i usually let it run for an hour afterwards that was sort of my cutoff right. and then i'm like no i got more downloading to do you're, you're, <laughs> you're potentially bottlenecking me here people yeah yes yeah, so i pay it forward for a little bit and then i cut it off 
I can't remember. You? I can't remember exactly what my philosophy was, but I, I definitely cancelled a lot of them. Uh, I don't. I, I I guess it was a like a usage thing. Like you only have a certain amount of gig, or I don't even know if it was a full gig back then. But whatever it was, it wasn't like a lot, and I had to go a long way. So if I did cancel it, it was because you know I gotta gotta look out for number one. Yeah, you gotta gotta con- conserve uh, conserve that bandwidth, you yeah. know. Because once you hit the, I don't, I don't know if this was the era, but once you hit your, you know, usage, it was like throttled and slow. Oh, it so. sucked. And then, you know, growing up with family members, like with siblings and stuff, you know, you you didn't have that gigabyte or however many hundred megs to yourself. It mm. was shared amongst the fa- amongst the household. So uh, yeah. you had to certainly pick and choose your battles. Yeah, and even just sharing music with your friends online was really hard. Like, I remember MSN Messenger, we would send songs back to each other and it would take, like, an hour sometimes or two hours to send them the song. <laughs> and then they listen to it and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't really like this. Uh, it's like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I had a had a little playlist going that sort of did the rounds at my school that everyone wanted copies of called, it was called, like, Brex's Mix because, like, Brex was a, one of my many nicknames as a as an early early teen so i'd used i'd make these brexes mixes like once a month Brexit. and remember remember the blank cds you could get and there was these really cool ones that had like real funky patterns on them uh-huh so i'd like get like a flames. 50s yeah, yeah i'd get oh, probably cooler than flames but there was a flames in there but i get like the 50 <laughs> spindle from from woolies and i'd burn off 50 of them and then take them to school and, and i'd give some to a few of my friends away for free but then i'd just you know, a couple of the other people there, they just chucked me a few bucks just to cover my costs and my time. And uh, yeah, my Brex's mixes were just a mixture of tracks I liked or things I discovered. And um, they, they circulated for probably a couple of years. I think I did those for. There's probably 20 of them, I think, kicking around. So uh, DJ Brex. I wouldn't mind finding them because there was some absolute <laughs> bangers on those. Yeah. Some of my best work. Some probably lying around somewhere if you look through every drawer. Yeah, nothing here. I've I've sort of turned my <laughs> place upside down. My mum may have one or two of them, but outside yeah. of that, it might be a few old school acquaintances might have a few still kicking around. But yeah, yeah. Brexes, I, I, mixes. I wonder They're if phenomenal. I've still I, I wonder if I've still got some of the ones that I burnt back in the day. But I remember it would be like Moby, like Mission Impossible theme, and then yep, like yep. like Rockefeller Skank, Fatboy Slim, <laughs> and then like Green Day, Time of Your Life, and it was just like the most random mix of songs that I'd heard on the radio and thought were cool. Yeah, mine were mine were a lot of like, I'd usually, I wouldn't do any more than two tracks of the same artist on one mix. I'd usually try and diversify it a little bit. So there was so much, so much pop punk and, and sort of uh, rock on there. And then I'd just randomly throw in a track. Like I remember I put like the Jungle is Massive song from Ali G on one on at one time or um, I think it's Terrence Carter. And he has a song called like Stroke It. So I'd throw like just a random, funny, unrelated track like um, Oh Yeah by Yellow. You know that song yeah. from Ferris Bueller, like stuff like that, just to mix it up, keep people on their toes. Very good. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to want to talk while we're here musically or do you think we should park uh, it and, and uh, revisit another day? No, I think that's it. Like we talked about some of the music I was listening to in high school, but I guess uh, like university for me was when I – delved more into like indie music and folk music and um bands that were a bit more like outside of of what you'd hear on channel v or on the radio like bright eyes and 
the matches and Sherwood Motion City soundtrack and just artists that, like I said before, I still listen to them all the time now. I still, um, they still resonate with me. They still speak to me. They remind me of um, being that age, but also like there's like because they were written by people who were in different circumstances than I am or I was a lot of the time they speak to me in a different way now that I've had a whole life of experiences since then yeah. so that's what's great about music I think is that um you know you can maybe you, you you connect with the sound at a certain age and then you connect with lyrics at another age and then you also connect with your own memories of that music over the years and you might even not even be able to put your finger on what it is, but there's like, yeah. you know, if I listen to that Silverstein album, it reminds me of that time I drove to Ballarat or something. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah I just like enjoy that nostalgia. I love that songs or albums just exist in these time capsules like that, where you do have that moment or that memory or that year or that period of your life that you're going to forever think about. Like, mm. um, you know, bands like Body Jar are like that for me too. Like I still... Love them and they're still one of my favorite bands of all time. But every time I listen to them, it sort of takes me back to being 14, 15, 16, 17 and just moshing out with my friends or seeing them play at tiny little pubs and stuff like that. And uh, sort of circling back, Motion City Soundtrack, their rider was fairly, fairly simple and they were very nice guys. Very, very nice guys. They are good dudes. I've I've had Tony on my podcast and they're they're possibly my... favorite band after blink so i have a lot of time for those dudes yeah. i don't know like and that's a tough question like who's your favorite band or musician and i can never settle on one like faith no more is up there for me i'm a big seven dust guy mm. i adore especially early seven dust i think it has to be like something that goes beyond the music yeah f- for me like it's it's the same with like picking a favorite movie or game like you, like you can say like what's the technically greatest achievement you know in your opinion but it's not necessarily going to be your favorite that's true that's true and and like there they might not be the best musicians or the best lyricists or whatever but it's just resonates with you in a certain way yeah yeah absolutely what do you reckon shall we shall we shut this show down for another another time all right. Well, if we're going to wrap things up, maybe I'll I'll do that. So uh, we want to thank you, listeners, for supporting Eight Bit, whether it's via the Kofi or just through the general, you know, RSS feed for this podcast. We we love you and we thank you. Don't forget, there's plenty of other Eight Bit content you can get into, whether that's the Hungry Gamers, whether it's Comedy Rewind, Putting in Work, uh, Hoop Dreams, Hungry Game Show. If I've forgotten anything, Brendan, um, you have not really. Like obviously the like spoiler cast yes spoiler cast it's on the it's on the hungry gamers feed anyway it's yeah. on the hungry gamers feed and um yeah we're gonna have uh Han roll first re-rolling into your Ooh. rss ears as well we've got that all finalized and we'll be out sometime in the next week or so so get uh get excited for a bit of our star wars role-playing debauchery bonza and uh bonza. you can pick up some sweet 8-bit merch at shop8bit.net uh, what's the latest thing on there brendan um, the latest thing on there would be a funky, funky comedy rewind inspired 8-bit shirt. Oh, we've um, got it up, have we? Paying homage to the, the yesteryear with VHS and such. So uh, it is an absolute banger of a tea. And uh, yeah, if you can uh, throw some throw some cash behind us on that store, mm. 
it would mean the, uh, an awful lot to us. And obviously, every every dollar you do donate uh, through Kofi or through our web store, ten percent of that goes directly to charity. So uh, yeah, your money's getting uh, put to good use all over the place. Very good, very good. All right. Well, you can catch Brendan at Brendan Eight Bit. You can catch me at Johnny himself. And until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Or much love. I don't know. I'm used to, I'm used to saying stay hungry. <laughs> but definitely stay hungry and much love and stay humble out there. Yeah. Keep putting in work and be kind. Just, just be good people.